We're coming to you live from Trinity Halls, Dublin. Uh, we're here today to talk about uh, uh, languages. L- uh, is that what is that what Owen and uh, I sorry Nor- usually do? Right, we're actually around the world in sixty. Uh, yeah, no, we're around the world in sixty minutes. Hey, and I'm talking w- about. We'll be chatting about the Donegal accent and it's you know where it's come from, uh, like it's... why it's so unintelligible. And why it is possibly the greatest way to speak English in the history of uh, languages. Yeah, I, personally, uh, I don't know if you've noticed, but I have a, a great love for languages. Uh, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, no. Um... And now for your real presenters, um, Owen Meenahan and Ethan Brady bringing you uh, live uh, around the world in 60 minutes. Although I shortened the title accidentally to just around the world, which is how the young kids call it these days. Um, so yeah, today we'll be talking about, um, what are we talking about? Fake languages. Fake languages. Every language, honestly. I know, right? Happy April Fool's Day, everybody. Um, Ethan, would you do me a call at that mark so we don't get any... Uh, um, had some echo there. Um, so we're going to be talking about fake languages, all languages. We're going to be talking about how to make your own language. Um, like kind of like I, I tried to come up with a version of like build a bear, but like build a language, but I couldn't get any kind of alliteration. Yeah, 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 it doesn't fit. It doesn't um, fit. So like, what are some examples of fake languages? Um, I think you were studying some, such as I think Albanian was one. Albanian French. Um, English obviously is the most infamous fake language. Um, it's actually it kind of and po- Finnish as well. Annika can agree with me there as well. She's listening, and Annika can agree um, fake language. But we also got the real fake languages like Esperanto, which is probably the most well known Morse code, Morse fake code, language, sign language. Sorry, deaf people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're fake all, language. All inclusive. Um, yeah, we slag every language exactly. Equally. exactly. At least all the ones we Equal can kind of get out. Equal in um, what else is there? There was. Uh, all the ones that are actually fake, like excluding the ones that, those ones are either real, kind of, or intended to be real. We have the ones that are actually intended to be fake, such as Klingon. Klingon, Elvish, all the ones like, so there's, there's different ones, like people construct languages for different reasons. You have them that are made for films. So Lord of the Rings has loads of them. Uh, uh, Game of Thrones, Star Trek all have different languages, and Star Wars as well. But the thing is, well, but then you look at, um, then there's actual languages created for real, re- like for actual like the intent is to use them as a worldwide language. Esperanto is probably the most famous one of them all, which was created by a Polish doctor in the 1800s. Perseltong, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, you and Daniel Radcliffe, man. You're the only people uh, fluent in that. Exactly. Oh, you were saying about uh, Esperanto. Esperanto, yes. Yeah, so it, like, it was like made in the 1800s to become like a lingua franca for around the entire world. Um, fits in for a name as well. Fits yeah, in yeah. for the show name. But yeah, like so, and it was basically created by using loads of different European languages. So French... Uh, French, German, English, Spanish, and then a bit of Russian as well, and a few other languages kind of mixed all in together. But it's a lot simpler. Like the like, there's only sixteen grammar rules for the entire language. It's a very easy That's one very... to learn. It's oh, it's kind of easy for Eurocentric people to learn. Exactly. Not yeah. so much for people outside of Europe. Yeah, but, especially uh, when you get like the kind of languages that don't even up, up like operate on the same plane, like yeah. like these like Native American and even like Finnish, like 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 languages that are like non non Indo European, European, like yeah, Finnish yeah. as well. Um, and Hungarian, but yeah. Um, so I, I think that's a pretty like noble goal because I think if you had like a language that everyone could use, there would be less like 
war. No, oh, that was his whole reasoning, though, was he thought that, like, your man, Zamenhof, Zamenhof who created the language, he was saying that, like, or the way his thought was that he thought the amount of conflicts that have arisen because of like lang like link like miscommunication and language issues. He was like, look, if everybody speaks or he has a, has a second language that everybody speaks, well then I feel like there are people in lots of fields who like kind of reached like that point where they're like, if I just change this one thing, it's all gonna be it's, it's all gonna, gonna be good. good. Like, yeah. like we did this or we did this guy or this, there is this guy in philosophy. Um, I think he like studied like the botanic garden. Like he used to like sit in the botanic gardens called Ludwig Wittgenstein, um, this Austrian guy, and he. Uh, he basically had this book. He was big into like philosophy of language, right? Which yeah. is something we've not really ever talked about. And he said that like, if, um, if uh, if we if all philosophers could just agree that like this meant that, yeah, these terms meant this, uh, did they just stop fighting? Yeah. And he thought that his like book, um, of which he had two. He kind of like had one where he was like, this is mine to all of my beliefs, and the second book he's like, forget the first book. This is really what I was thinking yeah. the whole time, um. Yeah, I've wrote some pretty political uh, messages about Ulster Scots. Um, yeah, don't get so, him rolled off. Yeah, I know, right? He's he's raging. Um, so, Wittgenstein was basically like, my book is going to be the last book in philosophy because everyone's just going to agree now that I've published this book. Um, Life never works that way, then. I know. Yeah. So it's the same way when it comes to Esperanto. That There's people... only about like 100,000 fluent speakers, about 2 million people learning it, but they're so spread out throughout the world that it doesn't really work out. Like, there yeah. are, es like, Esperantist groups that, you know, they kind of meet up for, like, a summer camp every once in a while, but, like, it never really properly works out. But, um, like, there are kids that actually, there are people that actually raise their kids speaking Esperanto and only speak Esperanto at home, which is quite interesting, but there is no kind of unifying state to kind of have somewhere to learn. Which Esperanto. is something we're really lucky with with Ireland, is, like, yeah, actually I, having a state. That, um, will, that will fund people learning the language. Even if it, like, butchers it as best as can, it's still... Better than nothing. Yeah, Ireland is Irish, like, the same way... Where like as opposed to you know there's no Ulster Scots nation for Ulster Scots thank God by the way um, <laughs> if we had to listen to a country speaking that um, but uh, that's any kind of future career down the yeah. toilet um, <laughs> turn off no. the recording button right <laughs> no politics for all this one is not uh, this one's not like this is like a we were talking about doing an episode with. Um, with cans in our hands but um, didn't really work out did, but this is like a we don't need it to be controversial. <laughs> We just clickbait, man. We're gonna be having, we're gonna be publishing this episode. Um, yeah, Donegal English, superior English, or Donegal Irish, also inferior Irish. I will say. Yeah. Sure, um, sure. Even though it has the best, it might, you've managed to like make English so much. This is just a response to Evan in chat saying that English or Donegal is the best or something along those lines. If he's not saying it, he's thinking it. So, um, uh, what was I saying? Yeah, they managed to butcher their native language while yeah. perfecting their new one, which. Well, yeah, didn't really expect that one to go. Um, you know, being good with outsiders mm. doesn't sound like it doesn't work. Right. Um, cool. What comes actual like construction? What what's that you got there? Is yeah, that, like, I have this grid? massive grid written out on uh, a page. Two grids actually, although the second one doesn't really have any lines. In it. I kind of just wrote like stuff. It's it's pretty empty. Um, it's it's a grid that contains every possible. Um, although a lot of them aren't filled in. Um, phonetic phonetic set. like combinations, right? So. Also, around like I think it was like late in, late eighteen hundreds as well. People decided that um, I feel like the lingu like it's linguistics really took hold in like yeah, the late like, a like a universal way of pronouncing stuff. Yeah, yeah. Which is like why we, if you ever look at any Wikipedia page, there's uh, a jumble of letters. There's a jumble start. of random letters and just kind of like dashes and percentage signs at the start. Whereas yeah. that's what it always looks like, you know. It's like they have the pronunciation of it, like the phonetic phonetic pronunciation. Although and if you click on that, read it. it will like lead you to like the alphabet. This yeah. other alphabet called the International Phonetic Alphabet. 
um, IPA, also set up by the International Phonetics Association, IPA. Um, oh, where's Greg? Where's Greg? He's actually not here today. Oh, that's, that's I have to show him this year. Yeah, I'll text him. Yeah, I'll text him now. And so it's very like Eurocentric invention, uh, mind you, at least in terms of the symbols that it chooses. Yeah, I know we got some love for the IPA in chat. Um, all IPAs, we, we love all IPAs here. We don't just go. Um, and so it's very Eurocentric alphabet, um, basically uses a lot of uh, Latin, Cyrillic or Greek symbols. You can, you can actually get like a Venn diagram of like, there's like, there's like a, a number of symbols that are all shared by yeah. all three all languages. All three languages. Um, Obviously not ones you see in like maths like Delta and stuff like that, but most a lot of, a lot of symbols are shared between the three alphabets, um, and yeah, every assignment it's very important. Yeah. Oh, um, I forgot. Yeah, yeah. On linguistics, that, that sounds a bit. Um, and so they're actually, I I think I counted, and this could be for like an out of date source or something like that, but we did good research here. Yeah. Eighty eight theoretically possible sounds, theoretically like very theoretical, um, of which there are uh, like a, a few which are physically impossible for humans to pronounce um so we actually don't know how they'd sound i don't think um and then there are a few and then there are a handful more which are just not found in any, in any language, language but um, they are theoretically can exist and like the most recent one according to the tom scott video i watched just before uh, going live was that um the most recent one was out in 2005 although there could be one since then and uh, maybe in the last like, two or three years um and that's when, like, basically, you get into like these very small, um, isolated, like, indigenous languages in South America um, and Australia and North, like, far out of like Canada France. and Siberia, basically anywhere that's really cold or really warm. Um, it's all like the in Inuit languages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so there are sounds there which have never previously been known to any other languages. Um, so I'm gonna really struggle with some of these. Um, and so the grid basically goes like this. Um, the 88 sounds are formed from eight different methods of making sounds, as well as 11 different places of where you apply that method in your, from, from the very front of your lips to the very back of your throat. Um, and so you start with, um, let's say, let's say you take the, like, take the example of um, where you do the sounds, right? So you start with this, like a, a bilabial sound, which is just putting your two lips together, like, um, puh, buh, uh, tuh, not, not tuh, actually, just the first two. Um, and they are uh, bilabial sounds. You just put your lips together, and then you apply a method. In this case, those are that's a plosive method, um, where you just kind of like gather a bunch of air in your mouth and just let it out. Push it. Um, explosive is a related term. Um, and then you work. Basically, that's let's say. Imagine I'm trying to visualize this for everyone. They're describing the visually. Front of your mouth. Um, the, but that starts at the very front of your mouth, and then you work your way back. Um, for example, there are sounds like. Duh, which are just behind your teeth, um, and I think tuh is also just behind your teeth, a bit further forward. Same with L as well. I'd invite you actually all to try it because it actually is like you, if you work your way from like puh, bo, duh, you like slow and all the way to go and. So you never realize it, but you use different parts. Like it kind of like it works its way back. Same as same with like la, like the L sound. So you need yeah. your teeth for that. Um, and so you work your way back from your lips to behind your teeth to the very top of your mouth where you burn it with pizza, um, all the way back, like to the very back of your mouth and then eventually you reach the glotter which is just the throat the glotter you get reach like a thing called a glottal stop right when, it, when you apply the plosive method there um which is when you basically just cut off all sound um i did like a really vicious hand gesture there that kind of employed like some kind of murderous aspect to it but um 
you basically it's a present in only a few accents but one thing you might be able to recognize it from is when you say oh oh it's like a really like it cuts off the sound immediately off the after, sound. You, after you say it after you say something it's just the sound is just disappears it's just like a, a pause right um and then so that's like a spectrum of all these different um uh, places of where you can make the sounds all the way from bilabial to dental to palatal to velar to pharyngeal of which I haven't got anything in that column because I don't think I could pronounce any of them um, all the way back to glottal at the very back of your throat um, and then you work your way down in terms of methods and um, there are nasal methods which involve your nose and um, I think n and m involve your nose um, and then you've got the trill method which Ethan will beautifully perform for us here the rolling your r's oh like r yes yeah, exactly r. like that yeah. again just for everyone r very good yeah um, and nick will be critiquing me on my yes perfect rolling oars well mm. it's perfect to me anyways yeah um <laughs> so that's the trail method and then you go one, one step further down which is a bit more difficult for ethan um our local guinea pig Chee! yeah that's that that's the that's the other uh <laughs> that's the other uh that's like the peak of all language right there um all phonetics right there um, so then you get the, t the tapper flap, which is um, a, a funny way of describing just basically one instance of rolling your R. Um, we got Ethan to try. I can't do that though. Yeah. Let's just add it. I can't yeah. even do that. It's kind of so like kind of. I think you kind of. My tongue. It's just like um, you can't do it. And then you get down to the fricatives. Um, I'm not sure exactly what the process is involved there, but you can kind of get a sense of it. Um, if you start from, if we go from front of your mouth to the back of your mouth, you start with ba and va, then you go to da like th, then you go to za. Then sha, and then all the way back to a kind of like, like it was almost like the Klingon stuff we were going to talk about yeah. later. Like I can't like, actually do it live, but, yeah. um, and then eventually you go back to some kind of like just a ha sound that I'm not actually capable. That's of. A lot softer, but it's probably related. You probably see it a lot. You probably recognize it from a lot of like sci-fi. Um, yeah. The subtitles in the bottom, and it's just some. They're saying something completely normal, but the sounds are just pretty vicious. Jumble stuff. And um, then you get a lateral fricative, which is a pretty rare version. At least I didn't write anything down for it. Um, and then you get this like kind of leftover group called the. Uh, you might notice this is all consonants, by the way, because there's another graph or another grid for the uh, a smaller grid for the vowel sounds. And um, then you get the approximants, which are just the leftover sounds, including like r er, r sounds and like l sounds, um, and as well a lot lateral approximants, which are just like a specific kind of approximants, and um, that are basically just left over. And um, actually, really, I think. If anyone's ever interested in ever finding how to, how to pronounce a word, is it useful to just get an idea of what some of these symbols for these are? Um, a lot of them are recognisable to like the Latin alphabet, or that doesn't make sense. That sentence doesn't make sense. But they are recognisable. They are related to the word, in the, the corresponding letter in the alphabet, um, which gives us an advantage in using the IPA as opposed to people with uh, different kinds of alphabets, which is something actually we'll only get on later when we talk about making your own language. Um, one of the steps really important steps is different kinds of alphabets because you know alphabet is just more, alphabetic is one kind of alphabet right and then you got vowels um which go from imagine the same like method applied to a different place um the places are from the front of your mouth to the back of your mouth um and then the methods are like basically like I think it's like closing or opening a different part of your mouth. I can't remember what part of it. I think might be your mouth as a whole, but I feel like that's a bit um, vague. So we can kind of get it where like the on one on one end of the graph you get like an e sounds where you like close at the very front of your mouth. That's just what I've written down. And then you got at the back you have like 
the deeper kind of like ooh ooh sounds, um, which you can kind of feel at the very back of your mouth if you try and make them. Um, notice what Ethan's not joining me when it comes to. Well, I'm just gonna let you make it that yourself. Things, yeah. So, um, I'll be the witness. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just keep laughing, man. Keep laughing. <laughs> um, <laughs> hey, I was the guinea pig anyway for the. Yeah, for the one that, that I couldn't yeah. do, man. I think that makes sense. Uh, so here I have. Um, we want to save this till later, so we still. See, Annika's out doing it. She's more info on this than we do. What, what, I don't what, know. What was said in the chat? Something about. Oh, here, here we go. We're gonna actually thank you so much for this. Is she studying? A... She studies linguistics. So. Thank you so she's much. More, you, she's you, more. She's more qualified. Pro- <laughs> please, please take my role. Take my or the, please take Ethan's role. Actually, uh, another Finnish person who's more qualified. Uh, um, yeah. Close up opener is about the vertical placement of your tongue when pronouncing vowels. That made does make sense because like e as opposed to. Your tongue, oh, that's like the tongue oh, of your tongue. It's like hop higher and then yeah, always yeah. like lower. Um, thank you so much. Placements uh, are open. Cool. Um, yes, yeah, just send your CV in at our Instagram DMs. Only I use it. Ethan, I, I don't think you use it. I was it on it today when I accidentally clicked. Accidentally Acc- switched he only goes on it by accident, so already. Hey, you know. I'm carrying your burden, man. You, I've been carrying you. I've been carrying you for this whole episode, so you can. Debatable, hey. Go into the. You can just go. Well, I have this. all my stuff on Esperanto, so. Yeah. Go. Oh, go now about it. All right, all right, all right. Tell us. Tell us. Yeah. Tell me. I know nothing about Esperanto. Oh, yeah, actually, I forgot about that. Yeah, like, oh, I was talking about Esperanto earlier. Um, how it's like, it's a mix of different European languages. Mm-hmm. And it is actually, it's quite interesting because it's supposed to be one of the simplest languages in the world to learn because there's a set of 16 grammar rules and they don't deviate. It's not, it's not, it's not like in any other language where, like, you have regular verbs and regular verbs and different endings for certain verbs and conjugations. There are no verb conjugations. In, um, in in Esperanto, there's like a there's like a list of them. For example, it's like any um, any verb in the pre like any verb in the present tense has just ends in as, and that's just how it works. And like in the past, it's is, and in the future, it's os. So there be like no like irregulars. There is no irregulars. It's just like you get any no. verb, and then you just know to stick os at the end of it, or as, or is. And what's like the time. root? Is is can the root also be like a noun or anything like a? Uh, and what, what, what like like, like let's say like. Um, the verb to like, I can't think of a word right now. Um, I know what like building. building yeah, like yeah, to like a build, like a build is also a noun, and then you yeah. Put, see like, the way what they do it is there's always like the stem of the noun, and it and there's always the stem of like the verb, for example, just mm-hmm. the stem. And if it's going to be a verb, they just stick on the as or os or is. But mm-hmm. if it's going to be a noun, they stick on o at the end of it. So and then you know, the end, right. so then you can tell what it is. Okay. And every single noun in the entire language, will have an O. And even if you take, like, loan words from any of the language, you just take it in, you add an O to the end of it. Oh. Which makes it a lot simpler to learn. Um, same with, like, there's, there's no gender in it. It's all, like, it's all neutral. It all, um, which does help us as well, because it just lowers the amount of grammar rules. So, like, in theory, it does, like, it would make sense a lot of people will start to learn it. But I feel like, again, it would only, this would only make sense for people who speak European languages, because mm-hmm. it is based off European languages, and like, like when you hear somebody speak Esperanto, it Which sounds is, like they're speaking French, or like French Spanish. Yeah, like I feel like, at the time, I don't really blame them for only studying like European languages, because realistically, it was quite hard. That's where you're from, and yeah, that's where you're going to live. It's not, like, but actually, like, the, like, realistically, like, the academic sources on uh, like, you know, Native American yeah. languages in like, the depths of Paraguay or something like that. Something we will be talking about at some yes. point, I hope. But um, even they would be in an, a European language anyway, because it would yeah, be European yeah. studying it. So, so, um, not all linguists are you know Eurocentric, or at least not not nowadays. Not purposefully. Not um, at the time, um, we are, however, just purposely Eurocentric because 
it's easier We're for us at the moment. But we'll, 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 move, we'll, we'll move further. further so, field. Esperanto, I was going to ask you, um, so are there different like, tenses? Or yeah, there's like so there's, three, there's, there's like, three tenses. There's past, there's present, past, and future. Not just, and uh, and they're like they're the only tenses that are used. And for example, it's made simple because for, uh, you just know the grammar rule. You know that if you're going to speak in the present tense, you're just going to add the as on to the end of it. And like you'll know if you like, of course, because all you have to kind of do is learn the nouns in Esperanto, and then you'll know once you know the grammar rules, you just know. What ending to put on, and like if you, when you keep speaking it for years and years and years, it eventually just become natural just to speaking English hmm. or any other language, which is quite which is quite an interesting way to do it. But I feel like the reason it kind of never spread was, well, it was it was never pushed. It was it was never like heavy investment into it. No, I, feel like I English, remember reading one time where like it was probably like cracked down on in Russia. Yeah, which is, I, it was kind of, of all the people to like crack down on. You want to crack on these like harmless linguists, you know? What I yeah, mean? Like, I feel like it's just because I don't know. Kind of a fear of of Russian overthrow, yeah, I guess. Very par- big paranoia. Stay yeah. Paranoid. Um. But like, you know, it, it, like it, it is interesting. But I, just, I feel like also maybe because it was kind of forced. Because for example, in- English became lingua franca because of the British Empire. Yeah. And because through force, not and now it is through America, his, yeah, mediums and through history. So I guess like the only way Esperanto was to ever become lingua franca was if it was either going to be adopted, like agreed, by English, or, yeah, by English or if you're going to have an Esperantist empire, but. Don't, I don't really see that happening. Yeah, I can time. see Stalin just being like, Esperanza's oh, Empire. Yeah, no. Yeah. no, it doesn't sound um, as good. Better arrest these boys. But, um, no, it's a really interesting one because and like the, yeah, it's yeah. very ambitious, you know? Yeah, it is. And, like, they, they've got, like, it, it's gone into a full, like, there's an, like, there's, like, an anthem, there's a flag, there's different names as well. So, like, they've kind of gone, like, although in, for other languages, names just are a natural progression of kind of jumbling words together. Like, you were, t- you were called a wolf, like, 2,000 years ago, and that just evolves into a name yeah. and they kind of intentionally sped up kind of just put it on like speed plane and just evolved so, so how down. are the names derived because names are like a really interesting part of yeah the, the names are either, the names that I've seen have been derived from kind of different natural things or kind of personality traits that were kind of so kind of like jumbled. calling someone like joy or something joy like, or the know, brave whatever yeah. you know and which is quite interesting that like this is all artificial and it, ha- and it happened within uh, the language is only about 140 years old yeah and about as old as like linguistics itself you yeah. know it's, it's there really seems to have been like a kind of a big bang of linguistics right then and this, it all yeah. just came out at once and it's kind of one of the most like normal languages that has been constructed in the sense that like it kind of tries to fo- follow a normal linguistic path because you get other ones like oh longin i think it's called Rognin, which is just the whole thing there's like 127 words in the entire language and like there's no verbs there's no nouns there's no adjectives there's no gender or anything it's just kind of like there's a list of of words which get changed so it's just they add on endings to the end of those like a hundred words to form it into something else so you mm-hmm. can have like one word sentences ultra finish is what i'm hearing. yeah like <laughs> well, yeah turbo finish like and it's quite strange but like it never really took off i think there's like 40 or 50 speakers and they're like they started in like in the 50s and then you get other ones like conline which is like constructed language which Conline. which is similar to, i think that kind of based it off like different weird european languages mm-hmm. um because like, definitely what I found, like, is that, like, in uh, fictional languages and, like, fantasy settings, like, uh, in Game of Thrones, there's, like, High Valyrian, and then uh, in, there's Elvish, in yeah. they're all kind of, like, they're, they're, like, they're almost based around a kind of classical Latin. They're yeah. meant to be, like, as complex and as archaic as yeah. this one, and then now That's everyone why speaks finishes this common tongue yeah. that, like, uh, you know, is really handy for yeah. scriptwriters and stuff. Exactly. So, like, no, it's interesting that, like, they kind of, people can take what is it like a natural process and kind of create like a, a rhythm to it and which is a process just... we will be using later or at least exactly. to, to some extent um we will because i did there's a 
as well as uh, Elvish and um, Elvish is actually a mad one because he made like three different alphabets for yeah. three different Elvish languages of which there are a couple dialects. He said that this is like talking writing to his son, right? He's he said that like he started with the languages mm. and then he started that like when it came to Middle Earth, there was like he started with the languages and then he started with because the characters I, and the narrative. Because and, I feel like when you're actually going through the process of making that language, you can. The history kind of comes just with it naturally. You start to yeah, realize you kind of emphasize the culture that would surround that. Yeah, which is and quite interesting. If there are names which are like, um, like I th- like I'm pretty sure, especially in like Tolkien, it was kind of you, you can kind of see some clear parallels with the real world. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like I feel like it's, um, it's kind of like a Norse ancient kind of like mid- Middle Ages. Yeah, yeah, mixed with this kind but of it's like corresponding nations. You know yeah. what I mean? Like um, like this, you see, see the same in Game of Thrones. No one's original, right? Mm. Where it's like I feel like the elves. It's actually, I don't actually know this at all, but like because they write in like a really like Sounds, picturesque, yeah. um, they're kind of almost mystical beings. Yeah, I feel like there's probably some like, per, like exotic, me- medieval like view of like the east yeah. or something like that. that kind of like the whole I mean? exotic oriental yeah, aspect yeah. of it. Um, and so their kind of script represents that yeah. as opposed to kind of like the underground dwarves who write in like big chalk letters and stuff like yeah. that, you know what I mean? Um, on like stone tablets and stuff. Um, or at least they did in that one scene about... You've obviously seen all the I've seen, yeah, I just, I just don't remember which one. It, 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 it's, it's the one, one where they, they view like, um, they go into Moria and they see this guy's like tombstone. Oh yeah, the first one I think. Yeah, and uh, is it like a book? Yeah, there is a guy, there is like books as well, so maybe dwarves do write books, you know, I don't want to slight them. Yeah, can't, um, can't be that degree. I know, right? Um, respect dwarves. Um, um, yeah, anyways, so um, so obviously you were talking about there were different languages that were intended for like actual use actual on a day to day basis. But there, I think there's actually like more Klingon speakers and Elvish speakers <laughs> combined than there are like half of these like intentional constructed languages. I mean, yeah, the super, I, I'd say Anik can agree, I'd say, I'd say I think Oxel, I think Oxel speaks Elvish. I'm pretty sure he does. Speaks well, or like writes? Cause I, feel like I don't know, man. He was a big Lord of the Rings guy, so I'm pretty sure, like, he, like, I know a few other people as well that. that yeah, uh, like, my sister has a tattoo in Elvish on yeah. her arm, and I'm like, yeah, all right. I'm I think it's cool. I think, like, it's like, that creates the interest. So I feel like, I feel like the reason those languages take off is because there is, like, a TV program, an actual, like, entertainment thing that spreads it out there. Well, normal languages are kind of put through education, which is always. Boring. Yeah, so if you ever want to make a, a language, language, write a screenplay. Write a film. Start. Write a film about a language becoming the, the lingua franca of the world with this new language and that's yeah. how it catches on and make like kind of go cool backstory like, just get like you know yeah get the rock to play in it yeah or something like that mm. or you know who's the guy Vigo Mortensen get the whole oh, Lord of the Rings yeah, actually, yeah Orlando happen. Bloom who transforms for every single role he's in he's just a new honestly don't recognise I'm pretty sure he speaks a fair few languages Vigo Mortensen as well, as well. those are two actors who like this is a complete aside by polyglots though like Vigo Mortensen speaks English Italian French, German, Danish, but they're also like Catalan skin well. changes. Like they generally have like different, completely different like complexions yeah. in every single film. Like if you watch Viggo Mortensen in um, Green Book as opposed to Aragon, as a uh, as Aragon, Lord yeah. of the Rings, not the same guy. Like or yeah. like Bloom is, is as anything as opposed to in Lord of the Rings. This is really just an excuse to talk about Lord of the Rings. Yeah, it really. Um, is. Because you can tell the amount of study we've done into this. You know? I know, right? I just watched the Lord of the Rings like, three <laughs> times. Um, I wish I actually did that. That would be a great study, just because... Good films. Yeah, it'd be kind of two-in-one. Are you looking at my notes? Be like, is there anything yeah. I can draw on there? Uh, Ethan doesn't bring his notes. He's probably the most authentic... Uh, yeah, because I have the info in my co- head. He's like so the like... most authentic co-host. Um, or, yeah, host, co-host, co-host. I don't know what your job title is, job description. Um, you know, words matter, because I feel like you could easily be like, I want to be the host. Yeah, he just said scrap on me. 
Um, anyways, so uh, what's another one of those languages? We lo- we actually looked at this guy. Um, we were I think we were both looking at him coincidentally. This guy who made Dothraki for uh, the Game of Thrones TV show because I think George R. R. Martin didn't really have much to experience. Didn't really it. have much to give him. Um, when it comes to Merry or Pippin, Merry or Pippin, pick. He doesn't even know. He's look. Ethan's looking at me with a complete blank stare. Oh, oh yeah, sorry. Oh, Pippin. Hundred percent. Choose death, man. It's like you're choosing. No, obviously, obviously Pippin. Um, my, my mind blanked there for a minute. Or actually, I, I, think thought I, I thought I was a fan, but I didn't. Not. I think Mary might be better in the books, but Pippin's just better in the. Pippin comes across better in the films. That's the most like. That's the most like intellectual answer. Pippin, yeah, he's better in oh, the books, but the other. All right, I can leave. Uh, yeah, no one gets the like. You're blocked. Blocked and reported. And so Dothraki was, um, if I my vague memory of reading Game of Thrones in like or the A Song of Ice and Fire, as the literary part of it is called, um, in like first and second year, I don't remember it being like a language being like a massive part of it, other than like the fact that different characters had to learn languages. But apart from, like, it was quite. Um, so it's like the background to the language, how it was created, is the more interesting aspect. Yeah, because yeah. it was um, like I think it was definitely underutilized in the series. From the parts that I've seen of the series, mm-hmm. definitely underutilized. Because like there's just like basically like a common tongue that most people speak, except for like Daenerys at the very beginning, who has yeah. to deal with these kind of basically Mongols, Dothraki guys. Yeah. Um. Again, nothing's original. They just copied from history. Um. And they, I think there's like. Like they, 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 all the terminology is actually really interesting. Like they, like this kind of like sea of seas, king of cal of cows, mm. mother of dragons, which she eventually becomes and all that stuff. It's very um, simplistic. It's very, but like, I, I really like the, the terms that they come up, but even then that's all in like English, you yeah. know what I mean? Or whatever translation of the book you're reading. Um, I was actually, um, reading this, uh, for Christmas. I was looking at, um, this is again, this is no structure to it whatsoever. Is this what April Fool's Day is meant to be like? Um, so I was looking at, um, I eventually got Harry Potter, but I was originally going to get like Game of Thrones uh, in German, right? Yeah. And they actually decided, in some uh, translations of it, they decided to take all the place names and all these like proper nouns yeah. from the original series and like translate them directly into German or like yeah. even like figuratively into German. So the King's Landing mm. um, becomes King's Mouth yeah. in like, Konigsmund yeah. in, in, German, in the, one of the German translations, whereas in other ones it becomes like a... Um, it just becomes a stage like King's, King's Landing, Landing or something yeah. like that. Um, because King's Landing, I don't think that would really, it would be like whatever landing is, Endure. Der Konig or yeah. Des Konigs. Adding the genitives. I know, right? Yeah, um, genitive is the worst case. I mean, it's pretty. In, in uh, German, though. In German, it's, it's, it's in German, ger- yeah. Genitive, Tischelbinnendock for anyone who's not familiar with German, um, but is familiar with Irish, is. I don't know. It's probably the most complicated it's thing. So, yeah, it's just because it's, like, it's about possession. Like, it makes sense in English because you just have of. Mm-hmm. But in or, German, or there are apostrophes. Or apostrophe. We just don't have that in a lot of languages, including German, which is like, because it just, that's where you get the des in there. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it just, it creates a next level of just complexity when you have to add that into the rest of the German grammar, which you have to kind of keep in your mm-hmm. head. Mm-hmm. So, what was it Mr. Dunn called? The sister, sister? Sister, sister, sister. Yeah. I still like remember his grammatical rules. Um, or Dessen and Darren Desson in the yeah. uh, relative clauses. I'm not sure if any other languages do. I think definitely other languages will do that. Do but which? Kind yeah. of like the German system of ge- of the genitive. Well, Irish does it. Oh yeah. Like no, like mm. and then the, the problem is that afterwards, like so in German, when you use the genitive, which is as I said, just to indicate possession or like of thing of thing, um, or things thing, 
um, you you t if if the article you're using is des, you add an s at the end. It's the only inflection you pretty much ever make in German apart from plurals. Um, I think I think that's, I think I'm not wrong in saying that. And uh, if you add an en at the end, mm. of the dot of plural. But um, Irish does it where they just have no kind of distinct rules. They just kind of mess with words if you put it in the genitive. Yeah. Like ban yawn with it i at the end. Um, it's just how the genitive works really in Irish. Um, yeah, secret of annoying. Same thing. Like another interesting thing though, sir, like about like like not about constructed languages, but kind of the whole thing about lingua franca is kind of how they naturally develop mm -hmm. when you think about it. Because for example, the US speaks or the US has English as its first language, or American as they call it. But still, when you think about it, right? American Do you remember like, that video of that like like one of those early YouTube videos where the girl's like, I can't go out with this guy, he speaks English. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And it's like, but the thing is, when you think about it, like, you kind of, I kind of wonder how English still stay the predominant language, because I get it, like, the 13 colonies, and it was kind of the language, the language that was used, if, like, the official language along the coast, but it has so many foreign immigrants, like, there's, like, 40 million Germans or 50 million Germans, and then Irish people coming yeah, yeah. over, you'd wonder why Irish didn't stay alive, or Spanish, or French, because considering half of the US was Louisiana, mm -hmm. and, like, why didn't French... Well, it's the same reason Irish died out. To an extent in yeah. Ireland is because it's, you it's know, for monetary purposes. Yeah, I feel like it's kind of like, it can make sense. Of course, they were like, immigrants were forced to learn English when they came there. But still, it's such a diverse group of people in yeah. America, yet English still stayed the predominant language. Now yeah. Spanish is almost taken over in a lot of places. In a lot of places, it? yeah. But like, but see, that kind of shows the natural progression. But see, here's like immigrants coming in and spa taking their language and kind of keeping it compared yeah. to how the, like immigrants in the 1800s kind of lost their language when they came yeah, there. which is... Or like yeah, because we... it's like some like distinct like Latin, uh, like Latin Novo. Novo. Like... Yeah. I know, I know. Novo. In uh, Car Cartagena in uh, south, what's that? South eastern Spain used to be called Cartago Nova, yeah. or at least the Romans called New Car whatever the Carthaginians called New Carthage, and then they, it's gone through all these changes. Cartagena, man, it's the real Virgo, I like that. etymology of Cartagena or place names is just interesting in general. I'm sure we will have an episode on just like place names and stuff. Place like names, that. yeah. Um, because I think that'll be something that we should look to do in the future, like just very bespoke episodes on like Rather etymology of language, you know, place names, place names, furniture. Mm. I don't know, um, because etymology is obviously mm. a massive thing in itself. But I was actually th uh, thinking about it on the way up, um, like we do like a very like narrow slice of like linguistics when we talk about this. We do like very distinct like history of linguistics, then like m a bit of phonology. It's usually, it's usually because it's like, there's only an hour and like because like when you have Germanic languages it's so hard to kind of do like a case study on all the Germanic languages mm -hmm. you'd almost have and to they're do also, they all really deserve one another. yeah because they're so different when you think about it because like yeah Swedish is very similar to German but there's also unique aspects to mm -hmm. Swedish and then to Afrikaans and then to you know, what like, what's this I need to do it's just New York um, although that's what I was I was actually doing this um uh, the Latin on Duolingo and I think um, it's like it's really like a etymology is a real like chicken and the egg situation like which word came first, first yeah. um, because we obviously call New York New Eruk um, that comes from just York which we call Eruk mm. and the word for New York and York in like Latin is like Novo Eberacai or just mm. Eberacum um, and I, I actually didn't end up getting any distinct, distinct answer on it so this has been an unsatisfying bit but um, I was wondering which came first because yeah. they obviously relate. I feel like that's yeah. obviously related. Eberakai and Arak 
they even, all, yeah. even though the letter in Irish is kind of different, they all sound the same. Yeah. So. Um, so the question is: Is there an actual like? Did they just kind of Irishize the, the sound York, or is there actually like a history behind our rock? Or is there like a Britonic Celtic? Yeah. That we're going to last week. Um, I feel like it's kind of like reached a point nowadays where there's just so few new languages where people like for so few like there's things progress a lot yes quickly but also slowly because everything at least nowadays everyone watches everything everything's so like globalized that instead of letting a new word develop we just take something from a different language well like realistically that's been how it's it's always been that that's one thing another thing i was thinking about was like where does like okay so we, we trace these words back um to like the very beginning i think the word you can the word like a one hundred right mm. and this is a real like important word in um in like the history of language um you can trade it back to Proto Indo Indo European roots like a hundred years ago I think it's like Kenta or Kentum mm. or something like that right and then um the two like like Indo and European right translate there like diverges from to like Indo Iranic and European those two different paths um and where is it anyways yeah, it, yeah, there is a divergence right between languages that um, ended up keeping uh, hard C, Kentum, Cades yeah, in yeah. Irish. And then um, there's a H sound. I think also like there's a there's a S sound in a lot of hundreds in, in other languages as well. Mm. Um, like a like a almost like a S version mm. instead of C. Mm. Um, I'm right. I feel like I'm looking about to write something. It's like century. Like yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so a lot of Romance languages kept the hard C. Um, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure of that yeah. as well as Celtic languages. Um, uh, whereas I think that that moved to H in Germanic languages. Like yeah, so from there to yeah. Um, and as well, they diverged in another direction. Um, and you can trace the word all the way back, but I'm like, I'm kind of, it's how, how, like that's, that's as far back as we can go. Yeah. Like, let's say like 7,000 years. Because the thing is, the first language ever had to, there had to be a, re well, there had to be a reasoning behind giving it the why, word. Why is a stone called, a stone. whatever the original yeah. version of stone was, you know? So that's, that's, that's like, that's the thing, like, you have to kind of, like, but there is no way to properly look at that. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, time, machine. time machine is the only way. Elon Musk get on that. Yeah. Like. But it, it's something I think about as well. Like how, how do the first people start to communicate and kind of understand? Like, so somebody points at a stone and says a stone, but do they think they're talking about like something else? Mm -hmm. Even though they're about pointing at a stone, it's like you don't understand what it is until there's a word that everyone understands. I feel like or, the only way <laughs> without like time machines or something like that is to like watch other like species related to us like try and develop their own yeah. language or something like that because like it's probably tied in into a lot of like evolution yeah. of like our vocal cords and stuff like that yeah like it's that and it's also kind of like interpretation like, for example like, parrots can parrots can somewhat sound like humans when they speak yeah, but yeah. also not they don't have a, like the same voice box that mm -hmm. humans do but the same thing is all, it's all about interpretation because for example like as i was saying about the stones like i said i pointed a stone i said that's a stone and like mm -hmm. the first time ever it's like, no, the rock man it's no, but rock. somebody else looks at it and like i see it just as this stone thing but they see it as a tool and then suddenly we all use stone but i see stone as just the stone but he sees stone as just the tool mm -hmm. and suddenly there's a different mm -hmm. interpretation i feel like that's how it spreads yeah. but you find the similar interpretation of yeah it. it's I don't know. It's, it's a tough weird. Um, like I feel like that's kind of like pre-linguistics. You know what I mean? Like, like because like one thing you're thought like first day of history is that like history is when writing started. Yeah. Prehistory is before that. Yeah. I feel like like that's kind of semi like semi true semi semi is that semi semi true um and because like you we do know stuff about before then about especially yeah. the way that people spoke. Yeah. Um, which is where I got like the whole like Kenton thing. Um, and there's other words which go back. I think tree is another one. Um, the word like to bear, to yeah. carry, um, is another one that we can 
like it's it's pretty similar. Similar. I think it's like what's the word to bear? Carry. Uh, I can't remember. But you can basically if you go onto this wonderful website called Wiktionary, um, probably related to Wikipedia, um, you can. It gives you like a kind of little trail of etymology all the way back to modern from modern times all the way back to seven thousand years ago, mm. um, in like the Ukrainian Russian steppes and stuff. Um, and there was another website I actually wanted to tell people about. Um, I think it was like Wikiversity, right? I haven't. Actually, no, I have. Yeah. I, I, when I when I was looking at Breton last week, I actually came across it, and it does these very basic, but like probably better than Duolingo. Um, lessons in wow. but also pretty like janky because yeah. it's the wikipedia like code you can never um, so it's not as maybe visually or intuitively appealing um to some but just uh, if you if you wanted to look at languages that aren't really touched on on um on duolingo like breton say for example um they do these really good lessons on wiki i think it's wikiversity um can you talk for five minutes while, or two minutes while I just check that out? Yeah, yeah. I want to no. confirm that for people. Because I actually yeah. found it really, I found it really useful. Because actually, yeah, like another interesting thing that I, that I was looking at when, about like people constructing languages, like the question I always ask is kind of like, so when you're going to construct your language, how are you going to like, are you, like do people, like they, people have to make a, de- a decision. Are they going to base it off languages that already exist? Mm-hmm. Like, and like almost make it a subgroup of that language? Or you just go completely random and speak gibberish and kind of just come up with gibberish words for something but it's very hard to kind of keep it going in terms of gibberish because then there would be no connection whatsoever mm-hmm. in terms of languages or in terms of in terms of words yeah, yeah so um because for example esperanto just uses spanish french and german words and, and then like a few slavic words and that's why it sounds like almost like spanish or catalan when somebody speaks it with a kind of a french accent almost yeah, yeah. while other languages like they well, just even if you don't understand them, they still sound different. Yeah, but like if I was creating a new language, I decided to know like as I said, a stone is just called I don't know like eh something yeah. like that, something really simple. But then does that mean every other word that has similar to like similar to stones have to have kind of be a, like a like a der- derivation, a, yeah, a, a der- like a derivative of eh, or yeah. you just gonna come up with something different? So that means you have to follow different grammatical rules, but then you're following grammatical rules that exist for languages that already exist. So they yeah. to create your own new ones. That's the whole thing, but it's so complicated to do that because I feel like stuff there's, like so many, that, there's so many different yeah. meanings you want need to express. Yeah. and I feel like that's like those, like those grammatical rules are something that has to naturally develop because if you try to create it too much, I think that's where kind of you're going to hit a roadblock eventually, where nature like it, it has to develop itself before you can develop it. Yeah. I think that's like the the roadblock a lot of constructed languages hit. Even Esperanto, I'd say, probably has, but actually not because they, they, it still does. It just takes the grammar rules we have for romance languages mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. simplifies them to like basic points. But one thing, like I've kind of, you kind of into like intuitively find out after after a while, like looking at different languages, especially along like, a wide spectrum of, on one end, let's say like romance languages, the other end, that we've looked at, like Finnish languages, where like synthetic analytic, the distinguish this di- distinguishing thing we made la- we did last week. Or the week before last, sorry. Um, uh, like, there's a balance between like how words ha- does do words in your la- language change a lot, or do you have a lot of words? Yeah. So I feel like even if even like let's say in Esperanto, right, you have less words to make it easier. You simultaneously make it more difficult in another way by just changing the words a lot. Yeah. Um, that's the thing. The same, same kind of like for example, you compare Finnish, which mm-hmm. has it changes the ending of the word. Mm-hmm. so it's like yeah yeah it makes sense 
And like the, I guess that's also kind of like subjective, or whether you find more words, yeah. less changes, or more changes, less words. Yeah, so I feel like more comforting. You can never like a, have a universal one for everybody. Yeah, it's gonna be one way or the other. Like you could try to balance it. I'm sure yeah. it's some kind of like fusional. Now it's different though if a kid grows up. But if you're gonna try to get people that have already grown up with a different language to try to learn a new language. True, it has to be. In it the kind same. of has to evolve. You have to kind of get your kids to like understand it. That's the best way to learn a language. Yeah, obviously, um, obviously, man. Obviously. Yeah. Do you think these people are stupid or something? Um, so now with only like 10, 15 minutes left, I want to talk about um, how you, just like just like us master linguists, you too could make a language. Um, make a chat talk. And I did uh, watch a video about the amount of time we had left. So hopefully we can... No citation needed though. Um, no citation. Actually, you can look at it. Um, with uh, Dothraki creator from, I think it was like the some International Linguistics Institute. Um... That wasn't meant to be like the proper name. I actually yeah. don't know what it's called. Uh, but the guy is called David J. Peterson, and he Peterson, and he um, is a linguist, and he was kind of tasked by the showrunners for Game of Thrones. I think like years before it actually came, um, oh, languages were invented to, to sell more languages. Um, exactly. Languages, as you La- said. Languages. Uh, Luggage. I feel like we haven't taken enough issue with the pronunciation there. Um, I feel like you can only comment on languages when you can actually speak the language. Yeah, I know, right? Um, but some beg to differ. Um, so, uh, and some, I just want to give a quick shout out, are also broadcasting directly after us. Uh, we Lads Big Problems are talking to our philosophy lecture, which is kind of mad that they put this one him into, I'll talk about, I don't know, Evan, you can just chat uh, in the chat there. You can just kind of, I, I don't need, I don't need give, to give a shout out you. to yourself. You, you can, you can plug yourself. <laughs> Um, I'm not paid enough for this. Although I do appreciate you giving us the intro. Um, for those who haven't heard it, you'll find it on the recorded version. Like Mr. Get Mr. Dunn on for one of our lectures. Or for one of our lectures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or one of your, you should start pulling your weight. Start, uh, I'll get tight. I'll pull my weight. Right, yeah, I'll get him. I'll get, get, a, get a, you're the guy who you were spent the last 20 minutes lagging before we went live. <laughs> um, a nameless professor who we won't uh, refer to. Or professor in. Proper name. Of Deutsch. Female oh, yeah. professor in. Um, so the questions you have to ask yourself when you're making a language, um, who's using it? Um, this is a really a case when it comes to fictional languages for fictional TV shows. Um, for example, like Klingon, they don't have the same um, pe- like vocal Sounds organs. You know what I mean? Like uh, they don't they don't make sounds the same way we do. Um, if they even have kind of like a vocal organ at all, because sometimes if we talk about Arrival, they kind of was that ink that they used? In, it, like, yeah, it was like ink. Of, so it was it was a visual language that it was yeah. spoken by visual. It's the sound. It's kind of sign language. Yeah. Sign language, yeah. in some sense. Um, so it's it. So is the how is the language expressed? Is it expressed by like sound, uh, writing, um, sign like kind of like changing and their body in a certain way um, as with sign language, um, or is it like some kind of combination of both? And then you move on to the sounds of the language. Um, do does your body or does your, does your language have well every every language that we know of right made by the vocal cords that we have um, use consonants and vowels those are the two things that are pretty much present everywhere. However, not every alphabet has them, which is a bit interesting. I don't know if you were looking at this. Um, I feel like it's probably something that might come up in your um, course, but the four four or five different four slash five types of alphabets are alphabetic alphabets, um, which have distinct. Uh, Letters, symbols, yeah, symbols. yeah, for like vowels and consonants, right? Um, they include the Latin alphabet, the Korean alphabet, um, which has its own name, but I decided I was more likely to remember Korean, 
the Georgian alphabet, the Armenian alphabet, the Greek alphabet, and the Cyrillic alphabet. Obviously, there's a bit of overlap between a few of those. Um, alphabetic alphabets, I know. It doesn't sound like you'd have to make that distinguishing, but... But there is a difference. In the English language, you do. Um, anyways. It's like, you compare that to, like... Because, like, I think most people, like, Western... Or people that wouldn't speak any Asian language would see, oh, like, Korean and Chinese is just the same... Weird corresponding corresponding characters, but then Chinese does symbols. Yeah. While Korean has letters, which is different. Like, like Korean is probably the most similar to ours. Yeah. Um, so when we talk about is language isolates one day, which Korean is, um, it's there's no real significant relationship with Chinese or yeah. Japanese, which like they they go off on their own. Yeah, I know it's kind of mad. It's quite um, cool though. But then you compare that to like I think Arabic is different though because Arabic is yeah. So it's written yeah. Arabic is um. I had it here. It's an abjud, which is only consonants. Mm. Um, vowels are basically implied mm. between. Uh, in between, consonants. that's why yeah. you always get kind of like the stop sorry sound. Or like it's like like there are vowels there, but it's like you never see them written or rarely. That's why we often stuck a comma in between. Mm -hmm. I think it's a comma to kind of indicate that like there is a there vowel is a sound there. You just kind of have to know it. I don't um, know yet. Maybe so there is a problem, however, when it comes to different languages that were originally. Like, say, for example, uh, certain types of Kurdish, which, when they're, like, oftentimes they use the, like, Iranic alphabets or um, Turkish Latin alphabets. But when they're, let's say, in, like, Syria and Iraq, and they have to use the Arabic alphabet, they have to change the alphabet, effectively, to express the key, like, like consonant sounds, which are so present in their language, but not in Arabic. Um, and then the, I think the last one was Abigidos, right? Which is uh, consonants with diacritics. Four vowels. Diacritics are essentially fadas or umlauts or any kind of dots and slashes on tops of letters. But kind of like but, but inferior that, symbols that like. Well, that's like a lot of your Well, does that count? So see, that means tag. So it would technically say German count as having that type of alphabet because um, it has the umlaut. just because it has diacritics doesn't mean I mean, it's an because it still has its own special vowel sense. It just has extra. Oh, so it only uses the ones with the ones. exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so yeah. it's imagine uh, an Turkish an, maybe. I, I think, think it was Turkish. Oh, I think it was. So the last one was Arabic and Hebrew. Oh, shit. I didn't write the right example down. Oh. I didn't write the example down. Um, and then the last two. Um, if you want to look up Ab Abigidos, yeah. Um, A B U G I D O S. We can get an example on that. Um, Jamie, pull it up there for me. <laughs> like Joe Rogan. Um, cue laugh track. Uh, logographic and syllab syllabic. Um, Bengali. Bengali. There you go. I I knew it was that was the kind of. If I look, if I imagined all the languages that I hadn't mentioned, in Indian languages probably come into it. Um, logographic and syllabic languages, the last two. Um, I believe Chinese has two different alphabets, of which I think one is each. Or there is a language that has al alphabets for both, and um, that are both logographic and syllabic. Syllabic basically just means that there is a uh, each syllable. Um, syllable is actually an interesting thing to define. Each syllable only has, or each syllable has its special symbol, mm. right? And this would not work with English whatsoever because, like, each one syllable word would have to be distinct from each uh, other. Yeah. Um, so like bag, bed, boom, uh, big. Uh, mm. Whatever else, you know, all those words are on their own, and they can't be any kind of like any. Although this doesn't, it's kind of like, um, this doesn't exactly hold true in practice because there are similarities, but it isn't the rule that there are similarities between these um different uh, syllables. Then logographic is the final one, and that's basically glyphs that can represent whole concepts and um images and 
Huh? A hieroglyph. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Um, which would be like the most uh, ancient form, or one of the most one of the more ancient yeah. forms of uh, logographic. Like, that's usually language. how languages are. Like an interesting thing is like that's how the first written languages kind of occurred because mm-hmm. that's like for instance, like like um, cuneiform is what was used in like the ancient Middle East yeah, yeah. by the Babylonians and Assyrians. And basically, how it started was because what they did was they would have like a clay tablet and they'd like mark down the imports that came into the city mm-hmm. and they just they draw say an apple or a yeah. piece of wheat and then they just mark it down like in a number like a line system. Uh, like, a, like a tally system mm-hmm. one thing is, and then after a while that like circle that will, will, will represent an apple like, with these lines will kind of like become like a less evident circle with lines until eventually it just became this this random set of lines that yeah. meant apple and that's how the first languages kind of came across nice. which is how hieroglyphs yeah, yeah. this is just me using my course material for once like that please citation yeah, also, also. Citation <laughs> um, so now that you've got your alphabet and um You've accepted the fact that you will have to use consonants and vowels, um, unless you what was that like Mumu or Langkian or one of those Which constructed languages? Oh, li- without, yeah, Lingon. Li- it didn't have like or no, there's verbs and no nouns, nouns no yeah, verbs, yeah. no gender, no nothing. So we'll get onto those. But um, then you have to decide um, whether you want to be a stress or a tone language, right? Um, English is a stress language. It emphasizes certain parts of words. This is why we say. Fresh avocado and not free shavakadu, um, which is a video I rediscovered there recently, and I was like, "This is this is a great one." Um, and as opposed to Mandarin, which is a tone language, um, where different meanings can be expressed by the pitch at which you make certain sounds. Yeah, I remember because my friend was saying, "Is it like?" I was like, "I think it's like saying aya." Uh, what, what was it? I think it's like I think it's the word girl and horse or something like that are so similar. She was saying that it was like for oh her Chinese oral, like she said, she called herself a horse instead of something else because it's just the way I'm you... I'm a horse. I'm a horse. You know, but it's just the way you pronounce the, uh, the, yeah, it's just the tone. Nice. Something about like, it's, oh, maybe it's not a girl, but it's like, it's something to do with, that she had to say. And because a person is like... Yeah, some, yeah, yeah, some yeah. sort of person, I don't know, I just said, or like, uh, yeah, horse, that's funny. funny. Um, which is maybe something, this is a question for our, our uh, local linguist in chat, um, who knows more than us. Um, perhaps... The IPA should represent um, the tone of yeah. a word. But I don't know if that's how it works. Um, but again, kind of Eurocentric and all that. And then you move on to the grammar, which is the kind of uh, rules of the language, as we all know, sadly. Um, all languages, except for the constructed one, which Ethan, um, Frank, have job, yeah. Uh, all, all languages have nouns and verbs, except for the one Ethan mentioned. So with very few exceptions, I can't actually say that all languages have nouns and verbs, I can say only with a few exceptions. Um, and you have to kind of tackle each of those individually. So nouns, are they going to be singular, or are there different types of singular plural nouns? Um, are there neither? So like sheep is one of those ones which is neither. Um, it has like both in the, both meanings mm. in the same word. Um, there are some languages, I think Slovene has a bit of this, where there are certain forms of words, words which represent that they're it's not. It's it's more specific than plural. It's, there's like exactly two or three. Mm. Um, so like whereas we might say like a pair of, they just have it in the word. Um, I think, and then theoretically you can get quadral nouns or something yeah. like that where it's built into the word. There's exactly four of them. Although um, I think that's I think as soon as you get up to three and four, it's it, it's getting to kind of like this. This is only in our heads. This yeah. is this is linguist for, ling- kind of for linguist for linguist sake. Yeah. yeah. Um, the new gender. Which, as we learned with the Finnic languages, doesn't actually have to mean. Um, I know, right? Getting political. Um, doesn't actually have to mean uh, like difference between like sex. It ha- yeah. it can mean like animate or non-animate. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's the new two genders, alive and dead, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Um, then you have... Oh, Onika. See, Onika doesn't have the IPA info. She's letting us down. I know, right? Unfortunately. Yeah. That, that's... Right. We appreciate the effort, though. Yeah. Um, Somewhat. Um, that's, that's more phonetics courses than we've taken. Yeah, um, honestly. So, then you have... I think that was all it came to, down to announce. And then verbs, you have to... Are you going to change it depending on who's saying it? Um, like, when it's being said. Like, like kind of like tenses, effectively. Um, like, English is a monster when it comes to these. Like, I had been doing, yeah. I will be doing, uh, as opposed to I will or I had done these things. Um, does it change about where it is in the word? Like, it's kind of subjunctive. Mm-hmm. Um, if you were, as opposed to, like, which which is correct as opposed to you was. We only have two minutes left, Jesus. I need to get through this. Um, then you get... Um, as we were saying, I wrote down like here, like balance between the number of words and inflection of the words. So the, either the words change a lot, or there you have a lot of words. Yeah. Um. Then most languages have adjectives, adverbs, adpositions. Have you heard of those? Mm, it's yes. basically the catch-all term for prepositions yeah. and postpositions, which we talked about last week. Um. Then you have determiners, determinants, right? I'm trying to make sense, right? demonstratives, right? Effectively, this, that. I think there's a, there's, there's there's another one. I think it's yonder. Or something like that, or yon uh, in Old English, um, which effectively means like this is near me, that is kind of at a middle distance, and then there's something really far away. Yeah. Um, and it's just specifying about what you're talking about. Um, really specific pronoun. Then you have word order. Now that you've got all the words, you need to put them in a specific order. Um, which is basically, I think it's just SVO. Like it's just alterations of those subject, verb, object. Um, we have SVO subject, verb, object. Um, although you kind of get. You don't really get like verb, sub object, subject. I feel like that does, there's some ones that are really rare and may not even occur at all. Then you finally get the stuff you're talking about earlier, derivation. Um, How are you going to keep words meaning, linked. like linked together, yeah. like an actual origin? Um, and he, and the guy in the video gave like an example of how when he was making Dothraki, um, so like wind, like wind and storm in English don't have any like etymological uh, relationship. Yeah. But I got two minutes, man. Two minutes. Um, but then, so you go from so he took basically wind, and then he got storm, and then he made it a genitive, like, yeah. Um, and like gave Daenerys the name Stormborn. I'm I'm running out of time, and then um, uh, if you're in numbers, uh, is it gonna be base ten like English, or if you make it um like non decimal? Yeah. Um, and then finally, how big is the language gonna be? For example, English is a hundred and seventy thousand words according to this mm. stupid video. But and then whereas his his constructed language has only had. 4,000 words. We're going to be here next week. Yeah. Um, I'm really cutting it close. Uh, sorry to the people who are coming after us. Oh, yeah, they're, we, we know them. They're big lads. Sorry, Evan. We can interrupt um, them then. We can up them. We can interrupt you. No. Um, everyone keep on listening to them. They will be talking to our philosophy of religion lecturer. Uh, thank you. We will be here. Yeah, I think next week's topic will be a surprise because we haven't decided yet either. We haven't so. decided yet. All right. Thank you very much. See Bye-bye. you later. Bye-bye.